Welcome back to the Alexander Schmidt Podcast. This is episode 37, Homer's Iliad, book 11, part 2. So last time we were talking about Agamemnon's Aristea and his several kills, including Hippolychus, who he killed like a log and kicked him down, a, uh, down the battlefield without his arms on, and then Koan also stabbing him beneath the elbow and functionally taking him out of the action. So Agamemnon had his Aristea, which was his his best actions on the battlefield, killing three pairs of brothers, which I related to the symbol of the three-headed snake on his um, corslet, or excuse me, on his shield. Yes, on his shield, and we related to the three killings of the three um, pairs of brothers to Agamemnon's, um, <clears throat> to the three-headed snake on Agamemnon's shield and how it was turning back on itself and therefore indicated the destructive aspect of nature, how nature both creates but also destroys that which it creates. So people are born and people come to die as well. We also saw um, Hector have himself a minor Aristea. We then saw Odysseus and Diomedes then attempt to stand against the, the Trojan assault and Diomedes unfortunately was harmed by Paris and Paris will harm um, not only him but also will harm uh, Machaon and Eurypolis in the lecture today as well. However, uh, Paris characteristically will get no kills. Um, so, um, at the end of the lecture last time, Odysseus was left alone on the battlefield, and there alone on the battlefield he considered two options. The first was to flee, but if he were to flee he could be perceived as a coward because if somebody sees him in flight they might not understand that that was because he had hopeless odds that even he could not surmount. But the other thing he considers doing is staying to fight, and though that may be perceived as brave, it may also be foolish because then the Achaeans would lose their master strategist. And so Odysseus, while he ponders this, loses the chance to flee, and so is forced to fight and kills five individuals. But while he kills those five individuals, or ex excuse me, afterwards, Sokos stabs him through his shield and through his corslet and gets a glancing wound into his ribs. It's painful, but it's non-fatal. And so Odysseus is out. Now, while Odysseus feels his injury, he does something different from a different mythological character from the French tradition, um, uh, Roland, the mythological um, nephew of Charlemagne, Charles the Great. And so this mythological character, Roland, supposedly had a magical horn, and he was supposed to um, defend the back flanks of Charlemagne's army. But due to his pride, due to his hubris, even when he was outmaneuvered and his men were falling and they couldn't defend their position, he refused to play his horn very much like Achilleus, and thus he fell, though he didn't have to. Well, Odysseus is not going to make the same mistake, so he calls for help. And who should hear him? Well, kind-hearted Menelaus, which is very good for him, as well as Aias the Greater, which is also great for him. Menelaus will, for one, help and draw Aias with him, and Aias the Greater will help a ton because he is the most competent fighter on the battlefield at the moment. So, that's a lot of help for Odysseus. While Odysseus is being led out of the battlefield by Menelaus, Aias covers them and goes on himself a five-kill streak. So, we transition from this scene to another. Hector is fighting Idomeneus and Nestor off the plain near the Scamandros River. Near here, Paris hits an Achaean healer, Ma healer Machaon, son of Asclepius, uh, who is himself son of Apollo, god of healing, in the shoulder with an arrow. And recall that since god uh, 
Apollo is God of so many things, um, healing, hunting, archery, proper aim, destiny, future, uh, or excuse me, perceiving one's destiny through oracles, um, because of course he's far shooting. Um, occasionally one of his aspects will also be passed on to someone like a son. And in this case, the, his aspect as healer is passed on to Asclepios, whom Machaon is said to be the son of, which indicates that he is a, of the nature of Asclepius or a healer. Just as biblically to say someone is the son of something means they are the nature of something same in the ancient text. So again, Asclepius or son of Asclepius means that Machaon is of tremendous value as a healer. Okay, so since he is of tremendous value as a healer, him being injured is a major issue. And so who would we expect um, to, to help him off the battlefield? Well, since Paris hit him, and that was a major issue for us. Well, it's Nestor or Wisdom who's going to take us off, who's going to take Machan off the battlefield. And why would it be Nestor? Well, for one, because Nestor does not have much fighting prowess left. He's no longer as strong as he once was when he was a young man, and so he can't continue to fight on the battlefield. All he can do is offer his counsel, um, as well as help people be carted off the battlefield. And uh, why is it Nestor that takes Machaon off? Because obviously, because he's so wise, he understands the tremendous value of Machaon. Machaon and his brother are the two major healers of the Achaeans, though we will hear a little bit later on that Patroclus has arts taught to him by Chiron. And why Chiron the centaur? Well, earlier on I said that the the teacher of Phoen uh, of Achilles and Patroclus seems to have actually been Phoenix, or at least that's what uh, Homer has it has it said in Book Nine. However, um, occasionally Homer will corrupt mythology and use two differing sources, um, which is generally considered, which is not generally considered, but sometimes considered evidence for the multiple author theory of um, Homer's Homer's works, which I would say is possible. Um, but the idea is this that because the story was told so many times over so many generations that it was distilled down to its um, its essence, um, very similar to the Bible and how it was created, um, so that um, the story became more and more true as it went on, rather than um, more and more distinct from its original true version. And so occasionally in Homer, there's... Um, there's evidence that uh, original mythology has been used in the case of Chiron and his teaching of uh, Achilles, but uh, there's also evidence of Homer changing mythology to suit his purposes, for example, with him including Phoenix as teacher of Achilles in Book 9, as well as including the story of Meliagros, which he'd clearly changed. So just as we've seen the principle of the dominance hierarchy, Agamemnon, be taken off the battlefield and then immediately following that, the principle of the proper manner of ascending up the dominance hierarchy was removed from the, um, the battlefield and also by measure of his foot rather than the head being hit, which was Agamemnon as head on the battlefield. Diomedes is hit by the foot, indicating that this will be a, a head to foot loss by the um, by the Achaeans to the Trojans. And so Diomedes left, and then the principle of stabilizing the dominance hierarchy, Odysseus, is cut off. And then the the uh, healer, the healer is the one who enables one to re-enter the struggle to maintain or ascend in the dominance hierarchy. So the healer, like the king, uh, uh, offers a stabilizing function. You might say a healer, like a teacher, like a nurse, like anybody that's a functionary of a society helps also to uh, functionalize the society and making sure that pieces and people of the society can function in the appropriate and proper way. So, Cabriones now urges 
Hector to engage with Aes the Great Air, but Hector says not yet, and that's a wise move on his part. He will have another attempt to engage with Aes. It will not go well for him. Well, Eurypolis then aids Aes here, and those who aid Aes during this battle will be sort of like the charioteers for Hector in the battles before. They're not going to do so well. So immediately, Eurypolis is shot in the right thigh by Paris. So he shot... Paris has shot not only Eurypolis, but Machaon and Diomedes now. And he's having a good day in that he's gotten uh, shots off on three Achaean champions. He's having a bad day in that, of course, he has not gotten a single kill. So were he um, Pandaros, he'd be totally upset with uh, his work today. But seeing as he's Paris, he's very much pleased. So we have another scene shift here. Achilles then sends Patroclus to check on um, Machaon, whom he seems to see in a chariot. Um, being led off by uh, Nestor back to the um, Achaean camp. And so the first question we have answered here is, where is Achilles and what is he doing? And so where he is is he's still at camp. And what is he doing? He's watching the battle. And why is he doing that? Well, it seems as if he's still interested in the battle. And why does he seem interested? Well, not only is he watching it, but he's watching it closely enough to see Machaon go off. And when he thinks Machaon is going off, because he understands that Machaon is an integral part of the Achaean war effort, he takes his best friend Patroclus and he sends him off to Nestor's tent to go check and see what's happened, because he's keeping in mind the strategy and what um, Machaon has to offer. So, Patroclus comes into the tent of Nestor, and he's in a hurry because he knows that Achilles uh, wants him back there quick. And in fact, something that he will say immediately, uh, fairly soon to Nestor, when Nestor offers him a potion, which is a, a, a bit of wine with some barley and some cheese on it, a tonic in order to restore his strength, um, Patroclus will say, no, no, I can't stay because you know that the person whom I serve, who I need to return to, is the sort that will occasionally get mad, even when there is no reason to get mad, potentially suggesting that Achilles is full reason for getting uh, mad at the Achaeans is, is, is not <clears throat> necessarily one um, that Patroclus shares um, shares an understanding with. Uh, there is some indication, and we will get into this soon, that um, the will of Achilles and the will of Patroclus is not at one at the moment, that there is some division within the heart of each man, and there is a division between the wills of each man. And this is sort of interesting because often Patroclus is understood to mean something like the softer side of Achilles. He is... Um, because he is older than Achilles and therefore more mature and less impulsive, and because he is of a lower rank and therefore less proud, and because he's of less stature in battle, also less proud, he has less pressure on him to be the best, and therefore he can be a slightly more um, uh, a softened or feminized version of Achilles, a more complete or balanced version. So often he represents the man that perhaps Achilles would be if he did not have the burden of being so great. And in fact, uh, one of the roles that Patroclus will fulfill is the lesser best friend who has to die in order to bring out the destiny of the greater man. Sort of like Ron Weasley should have done for Harry Potter. That's the one mistake I'd say J.K. Rowling made in killing Fred Weasley. It might have been George, but I think it was Fred in the last epi uh, movie. I think she was uh, giving in to her fans who just simply didn't want to see Ron die. But what should have happened is that Ron was killed by Voldemort, and, they, and that gave um, Harry the strength he needed finally to defeat uh, Voldemort, and not only Voldemort, but the demons from his past in order to um, champion a new future. Um, and that would effectively set Harry on the path to become headmaster at some point and be the new Dumbledore, and voila. So, Patroclus, this is what he has to say 
to Nestor. No chair, aged sir, beloved of Zeus. You will not persuade me. Honored and quick to blame is the man who sent me to find out who was this wounded man you were bringing. Now I myself know, and I see it is Machaon, the shepherd of the people, and we're called in uh, um, Agamemnon is often called the shepherd of the people, any person that inscribes or defines the people in some way. So the king, of course, defines the people by means of um, bounding them within a dominance hierarchy and setting the top. Uh, well, how does a, a doctor or a healer shepherd the people? Well, he gets them up to fighting shape or into functional shape so that they may fulfill their positions within the dominance hierarchy um, or ascend it. So uh, now I go back as messenger to Achilles to tell him, you know yourself, Aged sir, beloved of Zeus, how he is, and he is there italicized, which is very interesting, because that's obviously an editorial move either by the editor of Richmond and Lattimore or by Richmond and Lattimore. And how do we know this? Well, italics didn't exist in uh, original ancient Greek script. In fact, uh, just like uh, what a child learns in writing, um, the ancient Greek script was all capital letters, no spaces between words, no lowercase letters, no, uh, no abbreviation, or excuse me, there were abbreviations that were not... Um, there were there was no punctuation, so no semicolons, no question marks, no periods. Uh, the later Roman grammarians would add those in, and so it's very interesting because you can see that the um, the genesis of language is very much like the genesis of uh, or the genesis of writing was is very much like the genesis of writing in an individual. Because what it is that the students have the most difficulty doing is learning capitalization and punctuation because those are abstract markers of the importance of a word and of the appropriate rhythm of a sentence. And so since the students can often speak appropriately with the appropriate rhythm, they don't see uh, the necessity of including the punctuation because they assume somebody should just read them right. A dangerous man, he might even be angry with one who is guiltless. And so those were lines 647 to 653. Well, Nestor here has a response and he shows himself to be the, the master rhetorician that he is. He knows that Patroclus, like Menelaus, is soft-hearted and is very much like a soft-hearted version of Achilles. And so he, he cares about his friends and the war effort and his own responsibilities. And so Nestor is going to first list the five people that have been injured recently during the battle. Uh, during the battle. And luckily, ser serendipitously, uh, later on, on as right as Patroclus leaves, he's going to run into Patroclus in front, or excuse me, Eurypolis, the most recently injured individual by Paris, right in front of the ship of Odysseus. And he's going to finally choose to uh, stand against the will of Achilles and just help. And uh, though that's not um, directly obviating or going against the or subverting the orders of Achilles, he's not rushing back to Achilles as fast as he could. So though it is a, sm a small subversion, it is a subversion indicating that there is some space opening up between the heart of Patroclus and Achilles as their vision of the future uh, changes because Patroclus is going to realize that he needs to help and that's what Nestor is going to help him realize here. And though Achilles can see that he would be good help, he is not yet going to have the value system that Patroclus comes to first, which is Patroclus thinks since he can help, it's his duty to help. Achilles sees since he can help, well, he was dishonored first. He needs to be treated appropriately. Then he can help though Agamemnon offered him some gifts back, so it's not exactly uh, certain what the path forward for Achilles is, but it is certain what the path forward for Patroclus is, and it certainly will be after this speech. So let's hear what Nestor has to say. First, five injured Trojans, or excuse me, Achaeans. Then he's going to mention the fact that he wishes he had Achilles' strength, and when Achilles came through uh, Pylos and killed 11 out of 12 of Nestor's Brothers, Nestor will say, well, it would have been nice to have Achilles' strength and, well, he can enjoy his valor and loneliness. 
now? And well, uh, it's a very interesting response that Nestor and I would say implicitly Hector gives to Achilles's nihilism. Achilles says, well, why should I fight if the heroes and the cowards all go to the same place? Well, Nestor says precisely this. He says, I, if I had had the gifts that Achilles has uh, of fighting competency, my brothers would still be around so that I, I wouldn't have to l l rule Pylos without those who I loved most. And so Nestor's implicit idea there is that if you have competency, your best uh, bet is to use that because you can, rather than simply focusing on individual valor, your life can stay better by means of the fact that you use your competency in order to keep those you care for alive. And I, I would say that Hector, if he could simply be disrespected and uh, deeply even and still receive Achilles's, uh gifts, well, I'm sure he would use them in order to keep his wife, father, mother, brothers, including Paris, son, and civilization alive. So here's just a bit. Then in turn, the Gerenian horseman Nestor answered him, and these are lines 655 to... Mm, uh, uh, 667 or so. Now why is Achilles being so sorry for the sons of the Achaeans who have been wounded with spears thrown? He who knows nothing of the sorrow that has risen along the host since the bravest are lying up among the ships with arrow or spear wounds. The son of Tidius, strong Diomedes, was hit by an arrow. And Odysseus has a pike wound. And Agamemnon, the spear feigned. And, and Eurypylus has been wounded in the thigh with an arrow. And even now I have brought this other one, Machaon, out of the fighting. I hit by an arrow with the Bro bowstring. Meanwhile, Achilles, brave as he is, cares nothing for the Danes. Recall that's another name for the Greeks, the Achaeans, nor pities them. Is he going to wait then till the running ships by the water are burned with consuming fire for all the Argives can do? Another name for the Achaeans or Greeks. Till we ourselves are killed one after another? So Nestor asks some fine questions there, and then he mentions the fact that all his brothers were killed by Heracles, who was essentially an unstoppable force like Achilles, and Achilles could prevent this sort of thing from happening and so that would be um that would be very useful um so well after saying line 761 to 762 nestor says well but achilles will enjoy his valor and loneliness he then gives uh patroclus a brief story about having come with odysseus in the first place to collect patroclus and he says i recall your father minoetius patroclus and i recall exactly what it is he said to you he said you should always excel in uh, counseling of Achilles because, as I said earlier, recall, you are older than Achilles and therefore more mature, so you must counsel him. And two, since you are of lower rank, you have less pressure on you to be uh, greater in battle. In fact, his father, Peleus, the one thing he says to Achilles to do is to always be preeminent in battle. And Well, so you know, what might Patroclus deduce from this? Well, if it is his whole job to counsel Achilles so that Achilles can live out his destiny, which is to be preeminent in battle, and Achilles is not currently being preeminent in value in, in, in battle, Patroclus might well understand that he is not fulfilling his function at the war, and that as he is not fulfilling his function at the war, which is to keep Achilles in the battle to be preeminent in battle, it is also by extension his fault, should he reason in this way, that his several friends have just been injured and the Achaeans are now losing. And so Nestor masterfully twists the knife into poor Patroclus' um, heart. And, well, Patroclus... He, he's, he's, he's an emotional wreck right now. He doesn't know what to think. And it is at this point that Nestor suggests a, course of, suggests a course of action. He says, well, if you did want to help, the best thing you could do is to get Achilles to fight. 
that would put an end to all of this. And certainly would because Nestor wouldn't work against Achilles, one might assume, seeing as uh, Zeus is doing essentially the will of Achilles as a favor to his mother Thetis um, for the one time she helped him to uh, keep from being bound or to, to become unbound by the three Achaean gods who worked against him. But then Nestor suggests, well, if Achilles cannot be moved by even the pleas of his best friends and the or of his best friend from the wisdom of the smartest Achaean um, about the injuries of the champions who are uh, Achilles' friends, if none of this persuades him, then you, Patroclus, you have to take on his armor. You have to take on his destiny. In fact, Patroclus will choose to do this, and Achilles will allow him, except for a major difference between Patroclus and Achilles will be that only Achilles can wield the Pelian ash spear. It's too heavy for Patroclus. Very similar to uh, unique mythical weapons or objects that heroes can have. Roland has the, the horn. Uh, Arthur has the sword and stone, and then later Excalibur. In uh, video games, Final Fantasy VII, Sephiroth has the Masamune. And, well, here, Achilles has the Ash Spear, indicating that only he can live out his destiny. And so if somebody attempts to live out his destiny, which Patroclus will, well, perhaps Patroclus' destiny is to help Achilles to live out his destiny as something of an auxiliary to a guardian. Well, after uh, Nestor suggests suggests this course of action, uh, book 11, lines 785 to 803. Patroclus then leaves. He's then passing by Odysseus's ship, which you might understand. He's passing by the ship where the most helpful Achaean is, and therefore is passing by the place where he has to make a decision about whether to help or not. And there where he sees, uh, there at that ship, he sees Eurypylus. And so if he were to do as he is supposed to do, seeing as he is already late to get back to Achilles, he would hurry past Eurypylus, uncaring, and uh, get to Achilles to get him the news. But, uh, well, he breaks down and sees that Eurypylus is injured and uses the arts of um, Chiron. And if I just look and find that quote for you there, yes, here it is. But help save me now, this line 827, but help save me now, at least leading me away to my black ship and cut the arrow out of my thigh. This is Eurypylus speaking to him, to uh, Patroclus. Watch the dark blood or wash the dark blood running out of it with warm water and put kind medicines on it, good ones, which they say you have been told of by Achilles, since Chiron, most righteous of the centaurs, told him about them. As for Machaon and Podolarius, that's Machaon's brother whom I mentioned earlier, who are healers, I think Machaon has got a wound and is in the shelters, lying there and himself is in need of a blameless healer, while the other in the plain is standing the bitter tack of the Trojans. And so, Patroclus ends Book 11 by helping to heal um, Eurypylus, even though he should be getting back to Achilles, um, according to Achilles' orders. But um, it's here that I should make some comment on the duty that um, uh, that Patroclus is feeling. He Nestor is asking for his help. He's in front of Odysseus's ship, which, uh, as Odysseus is the most generally competent individual on the Achaean side, is also a symbol of help. There's also a person who needs help in front of him, and so. Every instinct, every sign is indicating to Patroclus that, well, he has a social duty to help, to help those men who are now losing, potentially uh, uh, obliquely because of 
him not appropriately counseling Achilles to stay in the battle so that the Achaeans wouldn't lose in the first place and none of the or fewer of the champions would have been injured. And so also his friendly, his sense of friendly duty is being hurt because, well, it's his friends like Odysseus and Diomedes who are being injured. So his duty to Achilles, his duty to the general war effort, his, gen his duty to his companions, his duty to his friends, uh, he's not seeming to do, and even his duty to his nature because he wants to help and he is being restricted from helping by Achilles. And so when he returns finally to Achilles' tent, he is going to return in tears, emotional, insisting that they do something to help because it's finally too much for him to obey the will of Achilles and to do nothing. He is held, he has been held against his will for too long. And even though the bonds of friendship are close between Achilles and Patroclus, in fact, they will share in urn, this is just a step too far. Um, uh, potentially, and again, obliquely, sort of uh, closer to the relationship between Gabriel and Satan in Paradise Lost, where um, one is corrupted and one is not. But not much more on that right now. So, Okay, this has been the Alexander Schmidt Podcast, episode 37, uh, part two of Homer's I Iliad. We talked about um, uh, the five Achaeans who got injured, including the two new ones, Machaon and Eurypolis, both injured uh, one in the thigh um, uh, by um, Paris of Troy. We talked also about the heartbreaking choices that Patroclus is going to have to make and also the matter master rhetorical strategies of Nestor. And then we also saw an argument against the nihilism of Achilles, and uh, that Hector might or implicitly could levy against him, and that uh, Nestor certainly does, which is if you have the ability to save your friends, then you ought to, because then you won't have to enjoy your valor alone while you're alive. So don't think so much about what it's going to be like after you're dead. Use your abilities in order to make the world around you better while you're still living. And that's a good place to stop. We'll see you next time. Have a great day.